1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. When we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of against the Lord Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit is with us, and His Holy Spirit acts as a guide for us, a teacher for us, a counselor to us, and His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and it shows us the way that we should go. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, it says in Psalm 84.
2: Living your life for Christ requires sacrifice, self-denial, and the possibility of persecution. The list could go on. Why would you turn away from all the world has to offer? Today, Pastor Dan shares some benefits of following the Lord's path for you in today's message. Those who walk in righteousness will experience peace, joy, guidance, and eternity in heaven, and the list continues. When you lay out the pros and cons, the decision to follow Christ will always win because it lasts forever. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Hosea chapter 7 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: There in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. Don't enter into some kind of relationship or partnership with an unbeliever. And And the point is the same as it is in the Old Testament. Because they'll influence you. And you'll start to act like them. And you'll start to talk like them. And you'll start to think like them. And you'll pick up on their sinful habits. And they'll corrupt you. And so the Lord says, I I don't want you to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, whether that's in a friendship or a a, a romantic relationship or in a business partnership or or whatever it may be, because it's going to affect you and your relationship with the Lord and, and your walk with the Lord. You know, Charles Spurgeon, who was, you know, the great preacher of the 1800s, he illustrated this point in such a great way. He had one of his students stand upon a chair and then he went and stood next to the student standing on the ground and he reached up and he and he took hold of the student's hand and he told the student standing on the chair pull me up into the chair with you and of course the student wasn't able to pull Charles Spurgeon up into the chair with him and then Spurgeon did a quick yank on the student's hand and pulled him down to the ground and this is what happens when we get into a relationship where we're unequally yoked with a non-believer, you know, this is why God doesn't want us to be unequally yoked with a non-believer, because it will bring us down to their level. And we'll start acting like them. We're not going to pull them up. They're going to pull us down. And so God prohibits this. And he prohibits this for our own good, for our own protection. That's why he prohibits Israel back in the Old Testament, saying, I don't want you mixing with these pagan nations around around you. I know what they're about. I know what what they're into. It's going to corrupt you. And so I'm telling you not to do this for your own protection to keep you from being corrupted by them. But Israel ignored God's commands and mixed with the nations around them. Now look what he says again in verse 8. He says, Ephraim is like a cake unturned. If you can picture a pancake, if you've ever made a pancake, right? If you've made pancakes before, have you ever put the pancake on the stove and then forgot? And you leave the kitchen and it gets burned on one side, but it's still like pancake batter on the other side, but it's ruined, right? You can't eat it now because you've burned it on one side. Well, that's that's what he's describing here. He he says you're a cake unturned. You're, You're like a pancake that's burned on one side, but it's batter on the other side. And what he's saying is because Ephraim mixed with these pagan nations, they're like a half-baked pancake, right? They've got this half-baked devotion to God now, where, where sometimes they're really you know, serious about the Lord, zealous about the Lord and the things of the Lord. But then there's these other times where they're zealous about their idols and the gods of the pagans. And, and, and they're half-baked. If you remember when Elijah was on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18, and he has the the people of Israel, they're gathered in the Jezreel Valley down below the mountain there. This is where he takes on the prophets of Baal. And Elijah says to the people, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people wavered. Between Yahweh and Baal. They were, they were half-baked. Like a half-baked pancake cooked on one side. Not really fully devoted to either one. You are know, kind of devoted. Halfway devoted to the Lord. But, but not really. Reminds me of what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea. He said, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Being a lukewarm Christian disgusts. Jesus Christ. And so we don't want to be half-baked in our devotion to Jesus. We, we don't want to be lukewarm toward him, where we're neither hot nor cold, or where like sometimes we're really on fire for the Lord, really zealous, you know, I'm into the word, I'm going to church and everything, and then over time, while we lose interest, or other things become more important and take up our time, and there's kind of this wavering between you know, following Jesus and and doing other stuff. We want to be all in, all in 100 percent, fully baked on both sides. You know, just a full, fully cooked pancake is what we want to be. But here's the important thing. Watch what he says now. Because they've disobeyed the Lord and they've mixed with these pagan nations around them And they've compromised now. Look what it says in verse 9. Here's what happened. Here's the result of that. Aliens have devoured his strength. But he doesn't know it. Yes, gray hairs are here and they're on him. Yet he doesn't know it. They've lost their strength as a nation. Please note that. They've lost their strength as a nation. They've lost their strength militarily. They've lost their strength economically. They've lost their strength in the world politically. They're not as strong as they used to be as a country. And and note this, they didn't know it. They didn't know they weren't strong anymore. They didn't know that they weren't as powerful as they once were. They still think they're strong. They still think they're prosperous, as they ever were. And they don't realize as a nation how much they've declined or how weak they've become. They don't realize what has happened to them. It says their hair has turned gray, and they don't even know it, meaning the nation is nearing the end of its life and doesn't even realize it. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing when you get older and you, you think that you you're still young and just as capable as you ever were to do the things you used to be able to do that came so easily to you when you were young. You know, when I was in middle school, I had a skateboard. And it was my wheels, you know. I'd take it all over the place, ride my skateboard around. A few years back, my, one of my sons, he had one of those Razor scooter things. And I thought I'd be a super cool dad and ride it down the sidewalk and turn the corner on this thing. That was my intention. I ended up, with one of my shoes off and laying on my back in the grass. I don't even know what happened. But one of my sons said, Dad, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen, right? And there was a car driving by our house at that time. And I remember I just laid there in the grass until the car got all the way by because I was too embarrassed to get up, right? When I was 12, I could do that. You just don't realize you're getting older, (laughs) I remember when when I was a kid, my dad could throw a football like, man, he could just zing it. I would stand like two neighbor's yards over, and he would just let it fly. Right? A few years back, my dad was in his 80s, and we were down in Florida visiting him. And my sons had a football. We went out in the yard. My dad, all of the mechanics were there. It looked right, but the ball went like 10 feet and hit the ground. My dad was shocked, getting older, not even realizing it. Things that used to be easy, can't do them anymore. That's what happened to the nation of Israel. These things used to be easy for us as a nation. This, these things weren't hard at all. You know, we were, we were prospering. We were winning all of our battles. But not anymore. The economy not the same as it used to be. Their strength was devoured and they didn't even know it. And in the minds of the people... There was, listen, in the minds of the people in Israel at that time, there was absolutely no connection between their prosperity and strength as a nation and their spiritual state as a nation. In their minds, there's no relationship. There's no correlation. In fact, they despised the prophets for suggesting their decline was related to their spiritual bankruptcy, to even make the suggestion that there was a connection. And so verse 10, And the pride of Israel testifies to his face but they do not return to the lord their god nor seek him for all of this their pride as a nation kept them from turning to god for help they were stiff-necked the bible says they were stubborn they refused to humble themselves they refused to seek the lord for help
2: we'll return to pastor dan's message in just a moment first
1: Search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
2: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
1: Psalm 10, verse 4 says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek God. In all his thoughts there's no room for God. I don't need God. I don't need God's help. I can do this. I'll be fine without him. Verse 11, Ephraim also is like a silly dove without sense. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. They were like a silly dove. If you've ever watched a dove fly, a dove will will fly one direction and then suddenly change directions and go the other direction. And they'll just kind of go back and forth like they don't know where they're going. They're just going back and forth. That's what Israel was doing as a nation. In their final days, they're, they're just going back and forth, you know, flying around, going one direction, then going another direction. Israel began to realize their weakness. They began to realize they needed help, and like a dove flying, they'd, they'd go to Egypt for help, and then they'd go to Assyria for help, and then they'd go back to Egypt for help, and they just kind of kept going back and forth like this. They turned from one nation to the other. They never looked to the Lord. Man, they never looked to the Lord. Never occurred to them. Now, we'll just make another political alliance. We'll just just go to Egypt. Egypt can help us. Egypt is strong. They've got chariots. They've got horses. And just going back and forth. They thought they could solve their challenges politically, with political answers. But the problem was spiritual. Now, look what God says. Wherever they go, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like birds of the air. I will chastise them according to what their congregation has heard God says, you know, as they're, as they're going back and forth from one nation to the next, God says, I'll spread my net and bring them down. Now, I've mentioned this before. In the land of Israel, hundreds of millions of birds migrate through the land of Israel from Europe going down to Africa for the winter. In fact, they're migrating right now, hundreds and hundreds of millions of birds passing through that land. So what they do in that region of the Mediterranean and Israel, Lebanon, Israel, Egypt, that whole area where those birds pass through, is they'll set up big, long nets. Usually they'll set them up right on the beach, right on the Mediterranean Sea, because those birds are going to make that long flight across the Mediterranean Sea coming down from Europe, and they're going to come over the land, and they're tired. They've had this long flight. Now they're safely on land, and they're going to come in, and they're going to land right on the beach there. And so they just set nets up on the beach and the birds will fly right into the nets or they'll drape them over trees and leave an opening. And the birds will come from their journey, their migration, and they go to land in a tree for some R&R and they fly right into a net. They still do it to this day. So here are these poor birds. They think, you know, I've made it across the sea. (laughs) I can finally, you know, rest. I'm safely to shore. And they're going to they're gonna land right, and they're going to fly right in these nets. And God says, Israel's like those birds. And they think that they're safe now because they made this alliance with Assyria, or they're safe now because they've made this alliance with, with Egypt. We, we don't have to worry anymore. We can relax. And, and they get caught in God's net. And what's going to happen, as you know, Assyria is eventually going to just invade the land and conquer them suddenly and unexpectedly what israel was doing in the old testament it reminds me of the parable that jesus told of the person who hears the word of god but then doesn't do what the word of god says because israel has heard the word of god they're just not doing what the word of god says and jesus told this parable and he said but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The person who builds their house upon the sand. The idea, the picture that he's talking about there is someone who who builds their house in a dry riverbed, which they had there in in Israel, all over Israel. These dry riverbeds called wadis, and someone builds their house in a dry riverbed, and it's fine until the rainy season comes. And then that riverbed's going to flood and your house is going to get washed away. And here they were, they're making these alliances and looking to Assyria and Egypt, and they thought everything's fine. It's like they've built their house in a dry riverbed until the flood comes. They actually made an alliance with Assyria. That's the com- the country that's going to conquer them, ultimately. Everything's going to come crashing down on them. So again, look at verse 12. Wherefore they go, I will spread my net on them, I will... Bring them down like birds of the air. I will chastise them according to what their congregation has heard. God's judgment will be according to what the congregation has heard, according to God's word that He gave them, that He told them. If you do these things, this bad stuff's going to happen to you in His word. Yeah, but they've rejected God's word. It doesn't matter. He's still going to judge them according to his word. But but I don't believe the Bible. It doesn't matter. That's still the standard that God's going to use for judgment. He judges according to his word. Remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? It's not a parable. It's a true story. They both die. And the rich man's in torment. And he asks that Lazarus be sent back to warn his brothers so his brothers don't end in torment. Remember what Abraham said to the rich man? They've got Moses and the prophets. They've got the word of God. They don't need any more warning than Moses and the prophets. So God's going to judge them according to what they've heard in the congregation. The word of God. Verse 13. Woe to them. Look what he says here. For they have fled from me. The Lord speaking of Israel. They fled from me. Destruction to them because they have transgressed against me. Though I redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. Israel fled from God as if God were some dangerous enemy instead of a loving father. So he says, Though I redeemed them. He redeemed them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He brought them into the promised land. He blessed them. He gave them his word. He prospered them. And look, he says, they spoke lies against me. They lied about me to other people. I mean, isn't this heartbreaking to read, to think of? I mean, here, they flee from me. They lie about me. They don't want anything to do with me, even though I redeemed them and rescued them. They say things about me that aren't true. They misrepresent me. They misrepresent my character to other people. They lie. And they, they're telling, these false prophets were telling the people that God said things that God didn't say. You know, they're, they're lying about me. Now look at verse 14. They did not cry out to me with their heart when they wailed upon their beds. When they wailed upon their beds. They, they, they did cry. There, there was a point where they, you know, realized the country was in trouble and that they were in trouble. They cried, but they didn't cry out to God. Even when they knew things were were in trouble. They still didn't cry out to God. They assembled together for grain and new wine. They rebel against me. The idea here is they were seeking their false gods for the grain. They're coming together to worship these these other gods. They're they're still assembling. They're just not assembling at my temple anymore. They rebel against me. Though I I disciplined them, and, and that's used in a positive way here. I trained them and strengthened their arms. Yet they devised evil against me. God was the source of their strength. He was a source of their prosperity. But the nation turned against God and actually devised evil against God. Things that were evil in God's sight. Even though God was the one who prospered them as a nation. They devised evil against God. They returned, but not to the Most High. They didn't return to me. They are like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the cursings of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. Because they were looking to Egypt to rescue them and save them instead of the Lord. And that's going to be their derision. He he says they're like a treacherous bow or a crooked bow. They cannot shoot straight. Man, everything the nation tried started missing. Nothing worked. Everything became unreliable. It's not how it used to be under King David. Man, when David was our king, back in the good old days, everything went right for us. We always won. But now they're in the final days of the nation, and man, it's like we're shooting a crooked bow. It <laughs> doesn't matter how hard we try or how much we concentrate, we can't get this thing to hit the target. You know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. And that's true for a nation. When a nation turns from God... And it's true for an individual. The way of the transgressor is hard. It's frustrating. Like trying to shoot a crooked bow. It's frustrating and it never works out. You just seem to miss the mark every single time. No matter what you do, it just doesn't work, doesn't hit the target. But when we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of against the Lord Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit is with us. And his Holy Spirit acts as a guide for us, a teacher for us, a counselor to us. And his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it shows us the way that we should go. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, it says in Psalm 84. No good thing will he withhold for those who walk uprightly. That's the promise of God for us. And Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that you don't withhold any good thing from your people who walk with you. We thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed us and you've saved us. We thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide and our counselor and our helper. We thank you that you've given us your word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us in this world as orphans to figure it out on our own. And we thank you, Lord, that you withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: He asked me how I am.
2: you are listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Hosea, and he has more to share with you next time. As you'll learn throughout this book, Hosea was no stranger to the cycle of repentance, redemption, and restoration. In his own family, there was much forgiveness and restoration that was needed. God allowed this to be the case in order to show the nation of Israel what this looked like in a personal way. Even today, God never wants you to stray from Him. But if that does happen, His deepest desire is for you to come back to Him with a repentant heart. Are you currently clinging to God as your lifeline, or are you at a distance questioning Him? If anything about today's message has struck a chord with you, we'd like to talk with you please give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected yet with a local church, we encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your faith. In fact, if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. If you'd like more details, visit calvaryec.com. On our next edition, Pastor Dan will have more to share from the book of Hosea, here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and
3: I recognize the hands that crack. we we'll